The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to uh, Mark chapter 2. We'll get to that in a minute, but we're going to start in Genesis chapter 11. So Mark chapter 2, you can, you can go there and kind of put a marker there, and then Genesis chapter 11. Uh, we've been in a series for the last few weeks called The Power of One, where we've been talking about the power of, we started by talking about the power of one prayer, that our prayers are important, and our prayers are, are my dad preached a great message, and uh, again, encourage you this week, be praying, be praying that the presence of God is going to be here, that, that God's going to minister to hearts and change lives, that scales are going to fall off eyes, and that it's going to be incredible. Be praying for that. Uh, last week, we talked about the power of one light or one life, and that, and that God uses people. He's looking for people that he can use in this world. He works through people, so he needs people who are willing to say, you know what, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll be a light. I'll make a difference. I'll I'll share this love that God's placed inside of me with the world around us. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of one team. The power of one team. The power that comes from from unity, that that we can see in a group of people who are coming together and functioning as as one. There's something powerful that happens when a team shows up and when a team works together. And, and there's a power, not just in the sports world, but there's a power that we can see in the church world when we as a church function as one in unity to do what God's called us to do. Last week I talked about how you as a Christian, when you, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, that your life is no longer just about you, right? It's about other people. You're, you're used to be a light in this world and to make a difference. In the same way that your individual life isn't just about you, listen, your corporate church life is not about just you. And it's important to understand that because the church is not just about you, okay? Turn to the person beside you and say, the church isn't just about you. Now, now hear me when I say this. I'm not saying the church isn't about you because it is. We, we want New Song to be a church that, that, that meets you where you are, that ministers to you, that helps you to, to grow in your relationships, that helps you to step into the freedom that we believe God has for you, that, that helps you to experience the healing that God has for you. So the church is about you, but the church isn't just about you. Because here's the thing, we are the church, all of us together are the church, and we don't just exist for ourselves, we exist for the world. And so what we, what we learn from this is that there's, there's more power in, in we, all of us, than there is in just me. That you, sure, there's some power in you, and that's great. And there's some power when you're connected with God. That's, that's great, too. But there's a power when you're connected with God and with other people that, that is, is very powerful and can change lives and help people. There's a, there's a saying, you probably heard this before, teamwork makes the dream. dream work. You've heard that before, yeah? Well, God has a dream for this world, you know? He has a dream. That's why Jesus came. He, he came here to save people. He came here so that all would come to repentance, that all would find freedom and find salvation. That's the dream of God. But listen, it's going to take teamwork in order for that dream to come to pass in this world. All right, so so Genesis chapter 11 uh, kind of speaks to this idea of there's more power in we than me. And it's a story uh, that you've probably heard before if you've been around church sometime, or even if you haven't been around church, you've probably heard this story before. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. And so let me set this up for you before I get into the reading here. Um, there's this group of people, and this is after Noah and the ark. This is after the earth has been flooded. 
And after that, God tells, tells Noah and his family out. He wants them to disperse. He wants them to, to go and fill up the earth. And, but, but people aren't doing it. They've all kind of congregated in this valley together. And they're just kind of hanging out together. So they're not obeying what God says. And the second thing we see in this group of people is, is that they have the wrong idea about God. They're, they're building this tower, right? This tower. And the, and the Bible says it's this tower to the heavens, now, I used to always hear that as a kid, and I always kind of thought that they were trying to build a tower that would actually get them to the place where God was in heaven. And even as a kid, I was like, that's not possible. Like, you can't, you can't do that. Like, at some point, you're going to get into the atmosphere to a place where you can't breathe anymore. It's just not going to happen. But really, that's not what they were doing. They were building a tower to the heavens. Here's what was happening. They were beginning this, they were, they were starting this process of worshiping the heavenlies. Worshiping the sun and the moon and the stars and the clouds and, and seeing those things as God in their life. So when they were building this tower to the heavens, it was actually a tower that was more of a memorial or an idol to the heavens. And what they wanted to do was climb up on the top of it and make sacrifices to the sun and to the moon. Make these sacrifices to these heavenly gods. So they were, they were putting other gods before God, which was not, not cool, not, not what they were supposed to be doing. The other thing they were doing, we see in them, is that they didn't trust God. They had, a, they had a wrong, warped view of who God was. We know this because they were building the tower out of some of the same materials that Noah built the ark out of, tar and pitch. And, and theologians will tell you what they were trying to do is actually build a waterproof tower that would be like a, a tower they could run to for refuge to save them in case God flooded the earth again. So, so they don't believe God's promise when he put that rainbow in, in the sky and said, I'm never going to flood the earth again. So they have a warped perspective of God. And then the last thing that we see is that it says that they were building the tower to make a name for themselves. So this group of people is a mess, right? But what we see here and what we're going to read is that God looks down at this group of people and he sees what they're doing and he says something very powerful that points to who we are in the power of teamwork. Look at this with me. Verse 5 says this, Genesis 11. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the son, sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, people are one. Now, when he says one, he means they're unified. They're unified in their vision. They're unified in faith, unified in this vision of building this tower, unified in faith that they can build this tower. And then it goes on to say this, and they have one language. See, at this time in, in, in human history, there was no multiple languages. Everybody spoke the same language. There was no Hebrew, no Greek, uh, no English, no Spanish. None of that existed. Everybody spoke the same language. So we see a group of people that are united in vision, faith, and in language. And it says, and this is what they began to do. Now look at what it says next. This is, this is huge. Now nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Nothing they purpose to do will be withheld from them. The New Living Translation says it like this. Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Okay, so here's what this, this tells us. God looks at a group of people united in vision, united in faith, united in language, and he looks at them and he says, that group of people, there's nothing that they can't accomplish. There's nothing that they can't do. Now, here's why this is good news. Because fast forward a few thousand years, and we have Acts chapter 2. And Jesus has died on the cross. He has been raised from the dead. He has ascended to heaven, but before he did, he told his disciples, he said, I want you to wait because I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And so we find his disciples and they are waiting in this upper room. And it says in Acts 2, it says that they were of one accord. Now, when it says they were one accord, here's what that means. They had one vision. 
the vision of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had one faith, faith that they could take this message into the world and that it would make a huge impact in the world around them. And so what does God do? He baptizes them with the Holy Spirit. And what happens? They receive this new language, a heavenly language from God that they can speak. So what does God do? He gives them back a unified language. So what happens to the New Testament church is we see that they have one faith, one vision, one language, and what was true for the people in the Tower of Babel becomes true for us today. Nothing is impossible for us. I should get some amens on that one, baby. That's good stuff. That's where we live. And that's why there's more power in we than me. There's a power that comes from being connected with each other in a vision and and in a faith and in this language of, of what God can do with us. This is a powerful thing. And what we see, we see this all throughout scripture. In fact, in in Deuteronomy 32, there's a verse that talks about how one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. And the idea here is this idea of multiplication, which is God's way of doing math. God works in multiplication. So it says one can put a thousand to flight. What what does that mean? One believer, one Christian like me and you can put a thousand to flight. What? A thousand angels. That when you pray, God goes to work in a spiritual realm. He begins to work to bring spiritual realities into this physical reality that we live in. He works to bring things from the more real reality, the spiritual reality that we were created from, into this reality that we live in today. So when we pray, that that takes place. But notice when two people pray, it doesn't say two and all of a sudden it's 2,000 go to flight. No, it's 10,000. Multiplication takes place. And, And what we see, there's power in Unity, there's power in coming together. There's power, multiplication power. We don't know what happens when three people come together, when four people come together. We don't know what can happen if a whole church like this would come together in prayer and in faith and in vision. That's what this whole series has been about, getting us on that page because we believe that if that can happen, man, God can do some incredible, incredible things. And so that's what we're believing for. That's what God wants to do. There's power, more power in we than in me. All right, now flip over to Mark chapter two. We're going to look at a story. We're going to spend the rest of our time in this story. And this story also points to this idea of, of teamwork, of unity, of the power that can take place when we do what God's called us to do. Mark chapter two, starting verse one, it says this, and again, he, talking about Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. It was heard because people were talking about it, right? Immediately, many gathered together. I love that verse. You know what that tells me? That when people hear that Jesus is showing up somewhere, people show up. When Jesus shows up, people show up. So that there was no longer room to receive them. So many people were showing up that there was no longer room, not even in the door. Like this place was packed to the gills. It says, and he preached the word to them. I love that. And and you know, that's that's part of why we do things the way we do here at New Song Church. I I want you to know, our, our idea of church here is not that we get here every week and, and the band gets up here and they perform for you. And, and not that I get up and I just share a little talk with you that'll hopefully help you in the next couple of days. That is not our vision for church. Our vision here as a church is that we come together and we, we make a platform for Jesus to stand on so that, that you encounter him. That, that, that he is the guest of honor here. We want you to experience what he wants to do. We want him to speak to you. Because listen, Jesus is the only one that can change your life. Jesus is the only one that can heal you if, you are, if you're struggling with your physical body, your emotional self. It, Jesus is the one who can break chains off you and, and pull the scales off in the areas that you've been blind and reveal things to you. And you see, only Jesus can do that. And so we want Jesus to show up because if he shows up, life change happens. And also, if Jesus is showing up, people are showing up. Yeah. 
And that's what we're seeing, man. We've got two full services today. This is awesome. And we've got a whole big old week coming next week, right? It's going to be good. So uh, verse 3, it says this. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic, or in other words, a paralyzed man, who was carried by four men. And when they could not uh, come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let him down on a bed on which the paralytic was lying. Okay, so picture this. These guys are bringing this paralyzed man to Jesus. They get there so crowded that they can't get to him. So what do they do? They get up on the roof of this house and they put their ear to the roof and they figure out where he is in the house and they bust through this this roof and they lower this man down in so that he can have this encounter with Jesus. And here's what happens. Look at what Jesus said. This is so huge. When Jesus saw their faith, everybody say their faith. Highlight that, circle that, underline that. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Notice what Jesus saw. He didn't see just the, the, the faith of the paralyzed man. He saw their faith. He saw all five of the men who, who brought this man there. They saw all, all of their faith. And here's what that tells me. Our faith plays a big role in bringing people to Jesus, yeah. in bringing people to a place of salvation. Your faith is important in that. Your faith plays a role in that. It tells me that when we stand in the gap with our faith, it helps usher people into the presence of God where Jesus can minister life and hope and freedom. And so my question to you this morning is, who are you bringing to Jesus? Who, who are you picking up that corner of the mat and, 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 and carrying them to a place so that they can have that encounter to G, with Jesus so Jesus can bring salvation and life and healing to their life? It, it's not always easy. It's not always fun. It's not always you know, it's not always comfortable, but, but here's what I believe. Your sacrifice will result in someone else's salvation. Your, your inconvenience can result in somebody else's encounter. If you'll be willing to do your part, it empowers Jesus to come along and do an even greater part. And what I love about New Song Church is we have this happening every week here. We got people that are grabbing the corner of the mat and they're doing their job. They're, they're, they're serving. They're out here in the parking lot. In fact, I, I met a, a, couple, or a couple of ladies out after the service, this last service, and they were just talking about how when they first came to New Song Church and they pulled into the parking lot, they felt like it was home because they saw these people in the parking lot that were so welcoming. And we hear stories like that all the time, that, that people are encountering God long before they get in here and, have a, and, and experience worship and experience the message. They're, they're having experiences with God and encountering God in powerful ways because people are willing to do their part. And, and the reason people are willing to do their part is because I believe we have a vision. And, and, and here's what people understand. There are paralyzed people that are walking through the doors of this church every week. People who are coming here, and they're not paralyzed in the sense that they can't move physically, but they're, they're paralyzed by fear. They're paralyzed by thoughts. They're paralyzed by their past. They're, they're so caught up in this stuff that they, they, they feel like they can't hardly move. And they need people like me and you to step in and to grab our corner of the mat and to help them so they can have the encounter with Jesus that he wants to bring to them so that they can experience the salvation that he has in store for them. But listen, it's more than just that because look at what it goes on in the same verse 11. He said to the paralytic, this is Jesus talking, Say to you, rise, take up your bed and get to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed. In other words, he got healed. He received his healing. 
and went out in the presence of them all, in the presence of who? In the presence of all the people that were stuffed into that building that day. They all saw this take place. So that all were amazed and glorified God. Many will see what the Lord has done and they'll put their trust in him. The miracle pointed people to God and his ability to change and heal people's lives. Look at what they said, saying, in fact, once you say this with me, we, okay, let's try again. We never saw anything like this. You saw in church, I believe that God is the same God. The same God we see in the Bible is the same God that's alive and working in us today. And, and what he did in the past, he wants to do today because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to have a church where people are walking out of this building saying things like that. We've never seen anything like this before. This is What's happening here is amazing. I've never seen that before. I've never, I've never experienced anything like that before. I've never seen somebody get healed like that before. I believe God wants to bring that to this church and to people's lives. But listen, just because God wants it, just because I want it, just because you want it, doesn't mean it's going to happen. It happens when we're willing to do what needs to be done to bring people to that place. It happens when we're willing to grab our mat, to grab our corner, and do the work that helps people be ushered into the presence of God. So I've got four points for you this morning. Four points that point to this idea of teamwork. To God doing what only he can do. And our part in that. Here's number one. You need to pick up your corner of the mat. You need to pick up your corner of the mat. Because in this story, it took all four guys to get this, this man who's paralyzed to Jesus. It wasn't, you know, the story isn't about like one guy who was dragging the paralyzed man by his leg. It wasn't like a couple of guys that were, you know, dropping him from time to time over and over again. No, it took, it took all four of these guys to get this man into the presence of Jesus so that he could receive what God had for him. Everybody was important and everybody here is important. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the church and he compares the church to a body, called the body of Christ. And, and, you know, in a body, there's lots of parts, right? There's fingers and toes and eyes and ears and noses and arms and legs. And, and all of those parts are, are important to a body. And when one part isn't working right, it messes up how the body functions. Uh, a few years ago, I was walking down the stairs. This is when we lived in Texas. I was walking down the stairs of our house and I had fallen into uh, the sin of familiarity when it came to my stairs. I wasn't paying attention. You know how it is in your own home sometimes. You don't really pay as close attention to your own stairs as you should. And so I'm walking down the stairs, not really thinking about walking down the stairs. And, uh, and I misstepped. And, and the way our house was, our stairs kind of led into the living room. And Sarah and the kids were in the living room. And so when I misstepped, I just started stumbling down the stairs and I fell kind of back on my, on my back and slid down, hitting my, my heels and my butt all the way down and then falling into the living room. Now, another thing you need to understand about my wife, Sarah, is uh, when you get hurt, she thinks it's funny. <laughs> like she just laughs at you. She's not, she would be a terrible like IMSA worker because she's just... She just laughs at you. And so I'm, I'm laying there embarrassed and in pain. And she's just like, and when she's laughing hard, she just kind of like she's doing now, she just kind of moves forward. She doesn't make a sound and she's really laughing. And so, you know, I, eventually I was able to get up and dust myself off and move on. But here's what happened. I bruised my heel in the process of falling. And when you, when you bruise, you know, you get a bruise on your body, typically your arm or your leg or something, 
It doesn't really affect you that much as long as you don't really touch it. When you touch it, you feel a little pain, but you can kind of deal with it. Well, when you have a bruise on your heel, it's different because you walk, you know, on your feet. And so for the next two weeks, I was aware that something was wrong with my heel. Every time I went to walk, I, was, I had to walk differently. I had to walk kind of on the, the ball of my feet here because if I, if I put my weight onto my heel, it, it hurt. And so it kind of caused me to walk differently. It made me aware. See, what I want you to see is when one thing was off, it, it affected everything. In the same way, we're the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ, and you play a role in the body of Christ. And, and when you're not doing your role, it, it causes the body a limp. It causes the body not to function the way God has called it to function. And, and what's wild is statistics tell us that 87% of people in church don't understand their assignment in the church. Now think about this. If 87% of your body didn't understand its role, what that would look like. Like at the best, you're paralyzed, right? That's like the best. Most likely 90% of your body isn't functioning properly. You're dead, right? And, And what we see in the church world today is there's a lot of dead churches because a lot of people don't understand their role in the body. They don't understand what they're, what they're called to do. So it's so important that you understand this. And here's what I want you to see this morning. I'm not the only person that preaches a message every week at New Song Church. You all preach a message here. Every week, people greeting and, and, and serving in kids' classes, and you're, you're, you're preaching a message. In fact, statistics tell us that, that most people decide if they're going to come back to a church within the first 15 minutes of visiting that church. So Think about that here at New Song Church, okay? 15 minutes into the service, we're still in worship in here. We, I haven't even got up and said a word. And yet at that point, people have already decided if they're going to come back to that church, whether they're going to come back or not. Here's what that tells me. We're all preaching a message. They may not have heard my sermon, but they've heard yours. They've heard a lot of sermons that have been preached in the parking lot, in the hallways, and in the kids' classes. Those sermons have been preached. Your smile is a sermon, The way we serve people is a sermon that's preached every week. It's not just me, it's all of us. We all have a place and a part to play. So my question to you is, what's your corner? Are you grabbing your corner? Here's the second thing I want you to see. If we're going to function in this idea of teamwork, we're going to bring people into the presence of God, the presence of Jesus, so they can experience what God has for them, we have to have an attitude that says, don't quit. We have to have some tenacity to us. I love in this story, these guys that brought this paralyzed man to Jesus, man, they, they had a no-quit attitude. I mean, they had tons of obstacles. I mean, just think about this. I was thinking about it this morning, like carrying this guy on a rug, basically, is what they're carrying. Like, if you've ever helped somebody move, like, that is not the best way to move a heavy object, is holding it with your fingers like this, which is most likely how they had to carry this guy. And, and so they're having to carry him. I'm sure he's heavy. I'm sure it's not, who knows how far they had to carry him. And then they show up, and the place is packed. And, and I wonder if they want, I wonder if the, it went through their mind at that moment, you know, maybe this is a sign. Maybe today's not the day. Maybe we should, we should try another day. And I also wonder how many other people thought that same thing that missed out on their miracle because that's what they believed, but not these guys. And here's what I want you to see. If you're looking for an excuse to quit, you're going to find one because the enemy's going to place them in front of you all the time. He's going to give you reasons to give up. He's going to give you reasons to quit. But these guys were not looking for a reason to quit. They were looking to, to, they were pressing on to the point of ripping the roof off to get this guy there. So what they did was they, they put him up on the roof. Now, 
here's how these houses worked back in the day. They had flat roofs, and normally they had stairs on the side of the houses because people would a lot of times go up on the top of their houses in this culture, and that was kind of like a porch for them. And so these guys climbed up there, and they, and they found a way to, to bust through this roof to get this man lowered down to Jesus. It took all four of them to do that, every one of them. They couldn't quit. And what's interesting is the roofs of these houses were typically made of three things. They were made of straw, of mud, and manure. Now, here's what that tells me. Sometimes you're going to face some poopy situations when it comes to ministry. It's just true. You're going to face some poop sometimes. People are not going to love you the way that they, you think that they should. They're not going to appreciate you the way that you desire that they should. You're going to face some stuff. I, I've, been, I've been serving in ministry for almost 20 years now, and I've faced a lot of different things. I think the craziest situation I've ever seen that's when I was working in children's ministry one time. I got a text from one of my workers, and they said, hey, Pastor Josh, I need you to come to check in. We have a situation. So, I, you know, I would get these just about every week, and who knows, who knows what it was going to be. And let me just, while I'm on this, let me just say something. If you've got kids in children's ministry, would you please be sweet to our children's workers? Amen? Amen. Let's love on those guys. You know, they're back there. They're serving your kids right now, so you can come to church. And they're, and they're not just babysitting them. They're ministering to them. They're teaching lessons to them. We, we believe that the word of God is a powerful thing, and it's, it, and it's a seed that we plant in the hearts of those little kids every week. It's important. We value this. And so they're, they're doing that. So today, love on them. Tell them thank you. Be sweet to them. Don't be mean to the children's workers, okay? That's lame. And, and let me tell you some other ways that you're mean to them. When you load your kids up with donuts on the way to church, you're mean. That's children's ministry worker abuse right there. So don't, don't do that, okay? So I get, I get this call, and I show up at check-in, and there's a lady with a dog. Yeah, you know where it's going. And she wants us to take her dog. That's what I said. Uh, ma'am, we're not a kennel. Like... That's not, and there's a whole, there's a lot of times that there's a, there's a conversation that's actually taking place and there's another one happening here. And I'm not going to tell you this one, but this one was, but I'm just like, I'm sorry, we don't, we can't take your, your dog. Um, we're, we're doing children's ministry in these classes. We, uh, the, we don't have a spare cage for your, all the kids are already in cages. No, I didn't say that, but. But that's just not how it works. We're, we're doing kids, you know, children's ministry, and this could be a distraction. And, we, and she was like, well, you can just keep him in his, in his little crate the whole time. I was like, I'm sorry, ma'am. That's just, that's not something that we do here. She was furious, like irate with me, like yelling at me, storming out. That was a poopy situation. And, but listen, you're going to face that. You're going to face some of this stuff, but, but we don't quit. Because here's, here's the truth. If you quit, you're quitting on someone. That's what these guys realize as they're carrying this paralyzed man to Jesus. If they quit, they're quitting on him. And you need to realize if you quit, you give up, you're giving up on somebody. And here's the three people you're giving up on. Let me tell you who they are. Number one is whoever it is God's called you to serve. Number two is Jesus. Because he's called you to do this. We all have this calling of serving. And here's number three, it's you. Because God wants to bless you. He has things he wants to do in your life. Freedoms he wants you to experience. Blessings he wants you to walk in. They're on the other side of some of these maybe insignificant small things that you feel like are in front of you. But if you'll trust God and do what he's calling you to do, you'll experience something amazing. So don't quit. 
Don't quit, because if you quit on if you quit on a job that God's called you to, you're quitting on somebody. Here's number three. The third thing we need to do is we need to expect big. In other words, we need to have faith. Big faith. You know, I, I believe the, really, the reason these guys were willing to walk this out the way they did and go through everything they were willing to go through is because they had faith. They believed that if they could just get this, this guy to Jesus, that, that he was going to do something amazing. That Jesus was going to set this, this guy free, that, that healing. They, they, something in them said, this is gonna, change is going to happen. If we can just get him to Jesus, something big's going to happen. Is that where you are today? As we, as we approach Easter, do you have faith? That person that you're, you're inviting, that person that you're bringing, do you believe that God can change their life forever? Whether they've been saved for a little bit and they're just kind of not really, they're going through the motions or whether they're completely lost, do you believe that God can use you to bring somebody to a place where God can do something incredible and life-changing in their life? The Bible tells us that, that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, No eye has seen, no, nor, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It, it's beyond our wildest dreams what God wants to do in people's lives if we'll just allow God to work in that way. And, and so here's what I believe. I believe that if we will do the ordinary things he's called us to do, that it empowers God to do the extraordinary if we'll do what we can do, then God can do what none of us can do. Amazing things. Life-changing things. But listen, God needs you. We said this last week. He needs us. God's looking for people that are willing to say, I'll, I'll do it. I'll grab the corner. I'll, I'll carry him. I'll expect big. Will you be that person? Here's the, here's the fourth thing. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're going, okay, I get it. Like, so what do you want me to do, Pastor Josh? Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your corner. I want you to get plugged in. I want, you to, I want you to have faith that God can use you. I want you to have a tenacity not to quit. And I want you to do it all from this perspective, okay? That we serve the need. Serve the need. One of the things I see sometimes in the church world that concerns me, and I'm not saying it's totally wrong, but it just concerns me, is we live in a very me-first culture. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can even kind of bring that into the church world when we say stuff like, you know, we really want to, you to figure out what you're really great at, and then we want you to serve from that. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out what I'm, my, my gifting, and then I'll serve from my gifting. Now, don't get me wrong, we, we value your gifting. But what I believe the heart of Jesus is, is not just based on your gifting, but it's based on the need. In fact, I remember the Lord speaking this to me when I was kind of writing and outlining the culture of serving here at New Song Church one day, Jesus, I felt him speak to me very strongly. He said, I didn't die on the cross because I was good at it. I died on the cross because people needed it. The greatest need in the world is salvation. And so Jesus didn't just come to just kind of serve from his gifting. He came and humbled himself to the point of a servant so that he could serve the need of human, of all human beings. 
And that's what God's called us to do. Now, now hear me. I believe that here's what I believe God does. I believe that he takes us and he uses our giftings within the needs that he places in front of us. I believe, in fact, I've seen God do that over and over again in my life. And the, the place I'm at today is not based on my giftings. It's based on me serving the needs that God's placed in front of me and God preparing me through this process of serving in these areas to get to this place today. But it didn't just come because I said, well, I'm, I'm artistic, so I'm only going to serve for my my artistic background. If that was all I did, I'd never be here. We serve the need and we allow God to use our gifting within the need he's placed in front of us. That's the heart of Jesus Christ. And, and what it does is it, it puts us in an incredible place because here's what I've, I've seen God do over and over again. Today's faithfulness positions us for tomorrow's reward. See, God, understand this about God. God is really good at hiding big rewards in sometimes insignificant looking things. He, he likes to, to put, wrap up big, big blessings that he has for us in small responsibilities to see if we're willing to do what we may feel is beneath us. But if we're willing to do it, God steps in. And, and if you look at the Bible and you look at the people in the Bible that God used, very rarely were they gifted for the assignments. Because as important as your gifting is, realize what really is important to God is the need being met and the anointing to carry it out. That's all God needs. He's just looking for a willing vessel that says, God, will you, I'll I'll be used by you. I see the need. Will you anoint me to meet the need? And then God will speak to you and he'll shape you for the need from the gifting he's placed inside of you. And there's amazing things he'll do in your life. That's what God's called to do. So here's what we say here at New Song Church. We say that saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. And I want to just pause for a moment. And I want to recognize the people in our church who make this happen. If you are someone that serves in any capacity here at New Song Church, would you stand up real quick? Everybody that serves here, stand up. Look at that. Look at all these people. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, guys. Man, I, I look around this room, I see all these faces of people who are here early, sacrificing sleep, lifting heavy things, going in kids' classes and valuing those little babies, holding them while they cry, loading and unloading trailers. I mean, and what's great is if you, you saw those people, you look around and you say, we're getting it done, aren't we? We're making it happen. And, and for some of you in here that aren't doing anything, I'm not trying to be mean, but hear me. For some of you, we're getting it done without you. And there's some people that just stood up, and some of them are grabbing the corner God's called you to pick up. I'm not trying to be mean, but I want you to understand. We all play a part in this. And, and one of the few times that Jesus addressed the needs of this world and the solution to those needs, he said this in Matthew 9, 37. He said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God needs us. And, and, and I look around this room, it's, it's, it's also interesting because there's people that stood up, I, I'll say this, I think some of those people are the happiest people in the church. I've talked to them, they're happy. And they're not happy because their lives are perfect, because they're not. They have issues just like anybody else, but they're happier because... They've given their life to something greater than just themselves. 
they realize there's more to church than me church. There's a power in it that comes from we. In fact, I was talking to a guy this morning. He was telling me about, he met with a couple and they were telling him that, that they were coming to the church and they, they enjoyed the church, and, but, but everything changed. He said, they said everything changed when we got plugged in and started serving. Everything began to change for us. It felt like it, it became our home. And I'm telling you, there's a power that comes from plugging in and obeying God and what he's called us to do. Now, I say all this to say this, okay? We have a need in front of us coming up this weekend, this next weekend. We, we have three services. And I need some of you to grab a corner and help us next weekend and, and be willing to say, I'm not going to make Easter about the buffet at 1 o'clock. I'm going to make it about Jesus. And Jesus is about people. So I'm going to serve. I'm going to grab a corner. And I also want you to know, really hear me when I say this. I outlined these, these three messages that we've done in this Power of One series before I knew we had the need that we have today. So I'm not trying to manipulate you. That's not the point at all. This isn't about what I want from you. Hear me. This is about what I believe God wants for you. God wants to use you. He wants you to be a person that empowers people to have an encounter with Jesus Christ so that Jesus can bring salvation and healing to lives. I'm expecting that next week. Are you with me? I want it. Do you want it? But just because I want it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's going to take us plugging in. So, I'm going to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do it from a place of love because I love you and because I believe God's got something for you. Our ushers have these forms. We need some people to plug in to help us out next weekend. If, if, here's the thing. We're going to have a lot of new people next weekend. And in the first 15 minutes, they're going to hear a sermon. Will you preach that sermon? So this says, yes, I believe in the power of one team. I can serve wherever you need me on Easter Sunday at the 8 a.m., 9.30, And It's a choice, not all three, okay? I'm fl- it also says I'm flexible. I'll, whatever service you need me, and then you put your name, email. If, you, if you're not plugged in and you'd like to serve in some capacity, and I know so many of you are already plugged in, but if you're not plugged in and you'd like to help us out, would you lift up your hand in front of everybody loud and proud and say, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to plug in. I'm going to serve. Hands going up all over the room. Thank you, guys. Let's give them a hand. I believe there's a day that we're going to stand before God, and he's going to say, well done. Well done. He wants to say that about you. That's you. You still need it. You can keep your hand lifted. We'll get, we'll get you one. Well done. I believe that there's salvation is going to be brought to some different people's lives next week, and you're going to play a part in that. So thank you. Thank you so much. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for the opportunity we have as a church to, to be your hands and feet to serve the world around us, to to usher people into the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. You told us, Lord, that whoever wants to be great must, must be a servant. I thank you for all the people that are willing to obey you and do what you've called us to do. I thank you, Lord. We know you need us, and we're willing to say, God, use me. I pray next weekend that as people come onto these grounds, that they will experience the love of Jesus Christ like never before, that they will see Jesus in us, And as we serve people, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see Jesus in them from every grown-up, every grandma, grandpa, every child, every baby, everyone in this building, Lord. I pray, 
that the presence of God, the anointing of God, would be the thing that empowers us. And Lord, let you be exalted. We want to place you on the platform so that you would be seen. We pray, God, that we would disappear and that you would show up and that they would only see you in everything that we do. Careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.